0: to product momentum, where we hope to entertain, educate, and celebrate the amazing product people who are helping to shape our community's way ahead. My name is Paul Gable, and I'm the Director of Product Innovation at ITX. Along with my co-host, Sean Flaherty, and our amazing production team and occasional guest host, we record and release a conversation with a product thought leader, writer, speaker, or maker who has something to share with the community every two weeks. (laughs)
1: Good morning, Kyle. How are you doing? Doing good, Sean. It's recording live from Pendemonium 2023. Big shout out to our friends over at Pendo for having us out to the conference this year. What a great conference this has been for us. Yeah, really awesome. Really excited uh, for this next conversation with Yohai Koenig, the VP of Machine Learning and AI at Ada. This guy has been doing this stuff forever. Like, it's super hot right now, but he's been doing it forever.
2: Yeah, and he he answered a bunch of burning questions that I have about AI. Like, why should we even bother with search bars anymore? Shouldn't we all be moving towards
1: chat? Right. It's a great episode. There's so much good material in there. A lot of depth, like practical stuff, but also philosophical stuff that I thought was really interesting. 26
2: years working in AI. Can you imagine? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Wow. All All right, let's get after it. Let's do it. Welcome to the Product Momentum podcast. Really excited to be joined today by Johai Koenig. He's the VP of machine learning and AI at ADA, the customer experience automation platform, where he's been conducting research and leading the AI practice for almost three years. Before that, he founded Utopy, which pioneered the speech analytics market years ago and was acquired by Genesis. He was there for a long time after the acquisition. Large language models are the little black dress of product in 2023. But Yohai has been embedded in this space for over 25 years since he attended Berkeley to pursue a PhD in comp sci in the early 90s. That's when he got into automatic speech recognition, ASR, and natural language processing, NLP, which are now described as conversational AI. So, leading thinker on this space. Listen, we're really excited to have you here today, Yohai. I'm
3: excited to be here. It's, it's, usually, I walk and build. Finally, I speak to people and
1: kind of try to share my lessons of actually
3: building products with other people.
1: Yeah, it's awesome to have you. And I'm Kyle Pesedi, I head up marketing for ITX. And we're joined today, of course, by Mr. Sean Flaherty, EVP of innovation at ITX, who you all recognize from every episode of the podcast going back a 100-something episodes. So, Thanks for being here, Sean. It's Kyle. Um, let's jump into it. Uh, I think it might help to start, a, start simple and say, can you talk to us a little bit about conversational AI and what is the space from your perspective today?
3: This field is very hot given large language models that are slowly becoming more what I call multimodal. Currently, mainly, we all know the chat prompt, we type something, we get answer back. Now there is GPT for vision, we can insert visual, but eventually we can speak to this LLM in any modality that we want. And they'll also give us their generation, any modality they want. So today it's separated, DALI is like doing images, there are some video generation, and there is obviously chat GPT to do text, but eventually it will be one model that you can give any modality and output any modality.
1: Right, so we'll be saying, can you draw me a diagram of that, that kind of thing, and it'll be spitting it back out for us.
3: Yes, yeah, so you can say, uh, you can make a silly face and said please describe my face. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I know very few people that have spent so much time working in a single domain. I mean, this is two and a half decades of your life. What do you think is the most important thing you, you learned about AI? 25 years, 25 oh. plus years.
3: It's a very good question, that AI It's not functioning as human functioning. There was a lot of effort to create AI, like expert system in the past or other way. Let's learn from how we are doing stuff and try somehow to transfer it to a machine. Mm. It's not about this. Let's make as less assumption as possible. Let's insert as less bias as possible. Let's give the raw data and the objective function and the best AI in the world will find the best way for AI to do it It may be not applicable to human beings, given the constraint of our physical brain. So to, to summarize, describe the task as an objective function, give enough data, and don't bring any other human assumption into the picture. Hmm.
2: So injecting minimal bias and... Assumptions, yes. And answering, answering questions that really can't be answered by a single human brain, right?
3: Yes, if you think about... Can we memorize the whole internet in our brain? Yeah. It's a little bit too big for our <laughs> brain, even if you go to the most optimistic assumption on the side of our brain. And AI with external memory can do
2: Yeah, I love it. You were just on stage and you talked a lot about all things AI. And I'm, I'm always curious when, when there's someone on stage that has so much depth of knowledge as someone like you, Like, what's the one question you wish people would ask you?
3: That's, by the way, the question that I always ask in interview when I interview someone, if you're in opposite yeah, position, what do they ask me? That's, you <laughs> learn a lot of this. I will think, I'll, as a builder, I'll ask more practical questions. So there was not people like, okay, you, I described the three principles, the lesson that we learn from employing it. And i expecting to have like a more follow up. So which model do you stress to do yeah. it? How do you, what, how to collect the data? Kind of more how to do it. Mm-hmm. Saying this, maybe the people here are product people that sort of specify what or they're thinking about what can be done. And they leave, if you will, the engineering to, to do all of this. I'm still a scientist, still an engineer. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking about a lot of, and I'm still shipping products. So I'm thinking a lot of how to do it. And, and there was not a question of how, there was a more question of what. That's, that's if I have to, this happened only 15 minutes ago, but if I have to Yeah, work, no, it's a great,
2: that's a great insight. You're hearing a lot of the what's and a lot of the end products. Because I, you know, I think to be completely honest, I think we still don't really, most of the world, even most of technology doesn't really understand AI and how it works. It's, it's somewhat of a black box. Yeah. most of
3: us yeah if you look at kind of this term of emergent sort of like basically like that's the way that kind of the industry speaks about how it can do stuff without them really knowing mm-hmm. so right. there is emergent and if you look at what's emergent mean basically the the most simplistic is like as the model get to a different scale suddenly there's new capabilities so what's happened if currently the models let's say are in ballpark the most trillion Weights Wait, so trillion parameter, what's happening? It will be hundred trillion. What emerging capability will be out there and can we human even predict it, understand it? Saying this, there is some effort around interpretability of understanding why the AI is functioning, yeah. what it's doing. The most, some of the leading research there is from anthropic. So they have like kind of group of neuron within their model are responsible for different dimension and different mm-hmm. function. So we are, as a community, we are making some step to understand this, but some of this emerging capability, as I uh, said, just happened. The model developed this concept and, and right. output it, and we kind of try to reverse engineer and expand. oh, who is doing all of this stuff? <laughs> yeah, how is how it, it working? <laughs> yeah. figure yeah. it out. Yeah, so that's, uh, and I think we'll make a lot of progress in the yeah. next few years to do it, because... That will be our answer, how we can control it or how can we predict it not to do anything bad the moment we understand what's actually how it works. Yeah. And,
2: you know, I think the better, you mentioned emergent properties, like new capabilities you haven't thought of yet. You know, and if you think of, if you're trying to solve a single problem with AI, you have one large language model, but if you, it'd be better if you had 50 and you could compare those 50. And then if you could use another AI to look at those 50 responses and then compare those and. Like so, it's like a never-ending sort of... So this of, is
3: called like mixture of expert. This is... Like the Russian mixture doll. Of methods, experts, mixture yeah. of expert. It's a very common technology. And also there is underlying question in what you're saying that the industry, both the practitioner and maybe uh, beyond this, are looking at, is it one giant model? Or should we bring very specific model and somehow combine it in an optimal way? Yeah, both for practical consideration of latency, cost, and and so forth.
2: Now, uh, until uh, we have quantum.
3: Yes, but (laughs) still, like at the end of the day, you want the best AI maybe to be a wearable device without sending it. Mm. How we can compress it to this? So people do like, you know, 4-bit and kind of all these engineering tricks to to make it more computationally efficient. But conceptually, there is all this question. Is our brain is one big or there is a lot of distributed stuff that somehow work? in concert to, to general. So and it's not like I know all the answer to this, but these are interesting questions.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let's pull it back from some of that philosophical though. You've worked in product for a long time and with a specialization in AI-enabled capabilities. So what's an AI-enabled product for you? Every, all these products are trying to implement AI capabilities, right? What's an AI-enabled product? So
3: there will be some repetition what I said to the talk, but I'll try to take the relevant part. I think AI is to serve the application, meaning don't deploy AI just for, hey, we have AI in a product. It is to serve the application, meaning you have to set a measurable objective. This is my application performance. That's how I measure the value that my application or product deliver. And the moment you insert AI in the first place or when you upgrade AI, you have to see a noticeable difference in AI. Second property of AI is the ability to create as automatic as possible continuous improvement. Mm-hmm. So today we are here at Pendo. We speak about how to collect NPS and customer yeah. feedback and all of this stuff. So product manager, semi-automatically, they cluster it, they summarize it, but still a product manager, a human has to look at it, has to figure out, get the insight, has to create a new product. The AI will also, hopefully, will get to a level that, can sort of self-optimize, get data, how users are using it, what works, what doesn't work, and create a continuous improvement loop that will be as automatically as possible and cr- reduce the time constant that it takes to, to improve stuff. Yeah. If customer prefer this button to be on top and not this, why product managers to be involved in the first place? We're seeing the data that always go to this button. Can we just change the page? I'm giving very yeah, yeah. a very simplistic example. but So for instance, for us at Ada, we look at, a knowledge base and guidance, and we do analytics, which is useful to resolve customer issues. And some of them are less useful, some of them are more useful. So we can kind of take into account all of this, or we can see which customer issues are not resolved. Automatically generate, let's say, an answer for the unresolved, and maybe give to the bot manager. That's what we think should be the answer. Do you approve it? So right. it's still human in the loop, but it's kind of shortening the distance to an actionable change. Kind of, from the moment you know how to optimize your product, how long does it take you to ship
1: it? Right, all mm. in pursuit of that North Star, essentially the product vision, right? Yeah,
3: it's like, for us, it's automated resolution. We want to solve the customer issues automatically, it's resolve, resolved, not like making, not phone call, but actually resolve that you will be happy. The software yeah, actually done. done. So this is our North Star. And so we creating, getting to a level that we deploy a product, learn from the data, and it's the AR percentage, the automated resolution that's all is increasing right? because the software optimized, because as I show the example of RLHF. So all this AI has few answers inside. Maybe it gives the answer one, but if it's not helping you to resolve, maybe it should give the answer two that is also inside because it has all the data of the company. And this kind of continuous improvement loop, self-optimization, I think is additional promise of AI. So
2: Yeah, by the way, I loved your framework that you put the triangle, the way you know your AI is successful, it's got to be accurate, it's got to be relevant, it's got to be safe. You know, and that's the thing that you always hear the buzz about is this in the, in the press, right, about the safety of AI. Yeah.
3: yeah, people also call it sometimes, we choose this word, but sometimes people call it the 2H, mm-hmm. honest, helpful, and harmless. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, yeah. honest.
2: Harmless. Okay, I don't know. So like that. Three H's. Yeah. So that's it's another acronym.
3: which chose this because I think it's more relevant to what we are doing. But
2: yeah, well, I thought that was a good analogy. It's a good. It's a good uh, window through which to look. A, a lens to look at how you're leveraging any technology, really, but AI in particular, because we don't know what's inside the black box. Yeah. In a lot of we, cases.
3: Yeah, we have to put the safety mechanism to make sure. Uh, it's, Behaving a
2: You also talked about in the talk, you talked about pricing and you struck a chord with me on that. Like how you know, as a as a service, like any sort of AI driven service, how how do you anticipate pricing it in the future? So it's a hard problem to solve because of the value that it adds.
3: So what so we adopted outcome based pricing. Outcome based pricing. I was fascinated by that. Outcome based wow. pricing. And we sold customers to date based on outcome-based pricing. Now, first, what it is, it means for us, every conversation that we automate, automatically resolved, there's, you're happy as a customer, yeah. we are happy, we'll get money based on this. If you're not bringing you value, why you should pay us? Yeah. And if wow. you bring you more value, pay us more. Now, there is a gentle dance of calibration, make sure that what we consider resolved, you all consider resolved. Yeah. And we put, there is a mm-hmm. mechanism in the product to do this calibration. Yeah,
2: I, I heard you say you're <laughs> using AI to watch the AI. <laughs> yes,
3: but it's calibrated also by human. I didn't yeah. go into all these details. But basically after onboarding, both us and the customer, actually I'm surprised there is no dispute, almost kind of point, customer well, yeah. review, the, yeah. because we kind of also tune it to be very conservative because we don't want to get with, like, we think we resolve, let's say, 50%, in practicality, probably it's close to 60 but we took the 50 for sure that yeah. we resolve. Pay us by this, we'll be happy, and we'll be aligned. Our line is to increase it. Your yeah. goal as a company, our goal is let's not buy seat, Let's not buy, pay us by value. So outcome-based pricing. So. I think
1: that's a really interesting model. Talk about commitment to your vision, right? Yeah. Like, we're all we're, in. We're all in. We're all <laughs> in. Yeah. If we're, if we're achieving our vision, pay us for exactly how much we did that. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. One other thing you talked about
2: on stage was search versus chat. Somebody asked the question. Yeah. Search versus chat. And I think who wouldn't want to just have a dialogue? Like, if you if you have the choice, like, do you want to search and have to filter
3: through a bunch of results?
2: Or would you want those results curated for you in a more...
3: You want a specific answer to your question. Yeah, you, right. you don't want... Why do I have to look at 10 documents and figure out the answer if AI can do it for me? Yeah. And I can look at 10. Maybe the answer is an answer 237 or whatever. So... Right. Uh, page, so about, seven.
2: page 17 of but Google. But that was a light bulb moment for me. Looking at the products of the future, why wouldn't you start from the perspective of using AI to handle your search function.
3: I'm not sure. Again, it's, again, the, the input that's convenient to us. Like, chat is one input. Like, let's say my refrigerator is, I don't know, the light is broken. I want to say, I can just take a picture and say, why this red light is on? I don't yeah. even have to speak. Yeah. I kind of, I, or, or sometimes video is the best way to me to explain what's happening. Sure. And, and so... AI will bring it to a level that's most convenient to you. Do you prefer to speak? Do you prefer to chat? Do you prefer which language? Which vocabulary, slang? No. Is convenient to you as a user to express it? So, philosophically, for a second, I yeah. think we are moving from a way that we as consumers have to adapt to companies because we know for this company, it's better to call them. For this, it's better to chat. Right. It's fit. I want to have the interface. It's convenient to me. Yeah. And the company will adapt.
2: Oh, yeah. Or I'll go somewhere else. I'll go to the company that. Yeah, I'll adapt.
3: And it will be most convenient to me. Maybe for me, for instance, as someone with a thick accent, it's better to write English. My writing in English is better than my speaking.
2: Well, that's going to be solved with AI
0: pretty soon. Yeah, like but well. I'm
3: just saying, like for me, it's very, <laughs> inter- very nice to to express, right. yeah. to write it because I'm write kind of short to the point. When I start speaking, I don't get some of the words, numbers, this and- so again, it's convenient to me. Some people just prefer to speak. So whatever, whatever works for you. All
2: right. Well, for a person who's been pretty much in innovation their entire lives, how do you define innovation? What does innovation mean to you?
3: So we go into more philosophical questions. Mm. Like, is mathematics discovered, <laughs> uh, <laughs> or is it just there uh, and exposed? Yeah. Or ju- we just found it. Well, that's, that's funny. <laughs> of, uh... That's funny.
2: I just read *On Writing* by Stephen King. This came up. A and a couple of, a couple of episodes ago as well. But in it, he says the ideas that he has, you know, Stephen King is like unbelievable fiction writer, yeah, yes. horror writer. The ideas are already there. He's like a anthropologist or a paleontologist dusting running. off the bones. Yeah. Like he's just, he's just crafting the story that's already there. So. Is it the same thing for you?
3: I think, and again, this is my speculation. Mm-hmm. I think the AI is trained on the current level of human knowledge. Mm-hmm. And there is corollary and derivative of this human knowledge that we didn't articulate because we didn't make the connection yet. But I want to believe there is something beyond the current capture human knowledge that we just didn't discover that we as human will discover and the AI cannot discover because it's not in the data that it was trained on.
1: Fascinating. Cool. So innovation will always belong to the human, you think?
3: That's my hope, as a human. <laughs> as a human. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well said. One
1: question we always like to end with. Is there anything you're reading right now that you really enjoy, you'd recommend to our audience, or anything you're learning about?
3: Actually, the last book that I read is called Smart Brevity.
1: Smart Brevity.
3: That uh, it's actually related to this because... I tend to write very detailed Slack messages mm. and email, and, and when I communicate, partly I know too much on some stuff, and partly it's to show off because I know too much. <laughs> but when you read this smart brevity, the first thing they said is the human attention span after the fixed six world goes down. Doesn't matter how motivated you are, how much they pay you, whatever, is like how much coffee you had just like we slow down. So say the most important stuff at the beginning and say it in the simplest way, don't use words like about. Yes, if you write three million, it's about. It's not, it didn't care. Yeah. So it's actually made a lot of impact on my communication to kind of increase my bandwidth. So that's a book. In terms of paper, I'm very interested these days in from a machine learning perspective in Fine-tuning and distillation. So let me maybe kind of go a little bit scientific for a second. Currently, there is these big models. And the question is, and I gave example of how to create what you need. Why do we need a model about astrology or archaeology when I do customer service or when you do any other application? So there is this technology of that's currently it's available of fine-tuning. Uh, OpenAI is fine-tuning 3.5 Turbo. Google, their model, have bought fine-tuning and another form of supervised fine-tuning, another form called RLHF. But eventually there will be a technology that I think one example of it is distillation step-by-step step, is ability to take a very large model and say, that I'm only interested in this problem. Take this large model and create for me from it, derive from it a smaller model that has all the power of this big model, but only on the specific domain. Yeah. So I see it coming and I'm reading a lot of stuff about it because it will be very relevant to us because I'm, Kind of going up level now. Ada, and I think every company that develops AI is how to create a defensible AI. What's unique about your AI that people cannot copy? Mm. And part of it is creating your own custom model data. based on your first party application yeah. data. Wow. And that's, that's part of my focus and my reading papers these days.
2: Wow. Is there a concept yet of like the minimum viable model to be able to solve all the problems you want to solve in a given domain?
3: Actually, a good thought. I didn't think yeah. about it. It's a good thought. Probably there is. Because
2: that's what you're saying, essentially. What is what is the minimum viable model that will yeah. solve all the problems in the
3: domain we want to solve? Like Occam Razor. What's the best yeah, model? but exactly. But, not, yeah. but not, nothing more. But, yeah. And it's a good way to think about it. I didn't yeah. think about it this way. And the only thing I can say concretely to this, if you read paper about it, it's still in academic, about distillation is speaking about reducing a model by order of magnitude yeah. by constraining the problem so in increasing speed and reducing cost and all of this stuff, good stuff, while maintaining very good performance on this domain. So we're talking about currently of at least order of magnitude from the best model out there. That's cool. And still in the research, we have to see it in our of, domain. You still
1: have a lot of work to do.
2: You better get back to
1: work. Well, we, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, you heard it here first. <laughs> Minimum viable model. Yeah, that's a good, uh, that's a good innovation by
3: Sean yes
1: yeah, so. yo hi Koenig thank you so much for being here with thank us on us the Product Momentum you. podcast coming at you live from Pandemonium 2023 good to meet you sir thank Sam, you a pleasure thanks for all me. the work you're doing in the thanks, industry thank you so much thank you that we all get to take advantage of no no it's
3: I'm compensated <laughs> 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 I appreciate the conversation was more fun than expected so oh, thank yeah, you yeah you're good welcome. Yeah, thank thanks you. well
0: that's it for today In line with our goals of transparency and listening, we really want to hear from you. Sean and I are committed to reading every piece of feedback that we get, so please leave a comment or a rating wherever you're listening to this podcast. Not only does it help us continue to improve, but it also helps the show climb up the rankings so that we can help other listeners move, touch, and inspire the world, just like you're doing. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next episode.